Hello, and welcome to episode 14 of The Podding Shed, the podcast of the ChelseaFCblog.com. The observant amongst you will notice that we have skipped from episode 12 to episode 14. Given that we are a superstitious bunch, I don't feel the need to elaborate further on this with an FA Cup final against Liverpool less than 48 hours away. Tempting as it is to take the piss out of their financial results, Andy Carroll and Key Kenny's belief that a nice kit deal makes a decent season. Let's get Saturday out of the way in the hope we can have a good old pop on next week's episode. Joining me to chew over a mixed few days and to look forward to Saturday's FA Cup final are Grocer Jack, who is Tony. Good evening. Mark25, who is Mark, and Dr. Blue Bio, who is Donal. Gents, good evening. It's been a busy week, but we will start with the QPR game. I think we can safely say that West London is ours. QPR fans are now supporting Bayern Munich, which, let's be honest, other than relegation, is all they've got to look forward to this season. (coughs) The atmosphere was um, muted, to say the least. I think the early goals helped take the sting out of um, the Ferdinand Terry handshake ongoing court case etc etc out of the game Um, to be perfectly honest Anton Ferdinand had far too much to do and spent far too much time watching Torres disappear past him and stick the ball in the back of the net to be concerned about anything else but anyway um, Mark you were there your thoughts on a very enjoyable afternoon yeah did you just say that the atmosphere was a bit quiet Um, no in terms of it wasn't quite as poisonous as it, it might have been Oh, right, it wasn't poisonous, but actually I thought it was a very good atmosphere. Yeah, yeah it was. Um, in, in terms was still of... elated, basically, from the Barcelona game. Mm. And everyone was just buzzing. And, and they thought they were still watching the extra time of Barcelona, I think, yeah. was how it felt. So it was a very good atmosphere. Everybody was happy. Um, but QPR, I went to the FA Cup away game, and it's a very nasty little ground. And the fans are nasty people who really are very jealous and bitter about our success. Very and when you look at some of their players, like um, Sean Derry and Joey Barton, they've got some very nasty players. I'm trying to think of the word I could best use to describe <laughs> you know, I think nasty is the one that's... Yes, so, 6-1, I don't think we've put the final nail in their coffin, but I think we've sort of nicely aligned the lid... Mm. <laughs> and they've given a couple of holding nails. And I'm just praying now that Stoke hammer a few in at the weekend. Yes. And then in their final game away to City, that will be the final nail. Yes, it, it would be very, very enjoyable. I mean, I'd, I'd be personally quite happy to see City with the title. I've no quite, you know, it, it doesn't involve us. Who cares? Um, Although I have to say, I don't have, <clears throat> I don't have any particular background in in the undertaking. Uh, industry, but I, I would think probably in this day and age, you're probably talking a cordless drill and a couple of posi drives rather than the <laughs> nail. But you know, that's just a small technicality. I, 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 by all means, carry on. Very, very validly made, I think. Um, well, I can I can rework that and, and just say that they've turned the um, oven up to a high temperature, <laughs> and their cremation is imminent. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Um, I, yes. I, I think that summarises things nicely. Um, Tony, your your thoughts on the game? Ah, it was awful. No, not really. <laughs> it was it was a great atmosphere, and I think you're right. I think the um, uh, the whole thing around uh, the fact that we got you know a couple of early, well, the fact that we were four nil up after 25 minutes. Um, uh, uh, the phrase I had used pissed on their fireworks big time mm. and uh, I think it, it did actually reach the point where I think before the end of the first half they weren't actually even bothering to boot Terry anymore which no. I think summed it all up really yeah and and they are as Mark said they're a nasty bunch I think and um, uh, they, they if, if you know the gods of sweet revenge were still on our side um, and apparently gave us a kick up the arse last night for the 3-0 drubbing we gave Newcastle earlier in the season mm. um, I would say that uh um, that they were um, just generally beaten down very quickly by a, a team burning over what the, the kind of injustice at Loftus Road, where patently, even with nine, we were the better football team. Mm. And uh, we really showed them and put them to the sword. Uh, yeah, like you said, it was a fabulous atmosphere. Uh, great to see Torres just, um, you know, at, at vibrant and, and Killing, yeah. uh, you know, killing Ferdinand and 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 whatever. And and to be fair to Torres, I think he could have had five or six goals. Uh, he had he pulled out a pretty spectacular save from Kenny um, in the uh, in the second half 
from a, a sort of shot outside the area and things that you wouldn't have thought he was doing before. Mm. You know, where he, he seems to have some someone's actually said to him, "Look, you know, stop trying to lay it on for other people or whatever." Um, well, actually, just sorry, sorry, to interrupt, but he he did actually. I read an interview um, with him, and he actually made the point. He said, "I I feel I've been playing really, really well and and contributing to the team, but I actually feel." He kind of made the point that he almost, since he started scoring, he feels he's not playing quite as well. Yeah, he did. It was the interview after the game. I saw that mm. as well, and I don't agree with him. I thought he had a, uh, you know, he 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 he, he ran hard all game, um, and he was terrorising the, you know, the, the the confidence. You can say, I mean, the first goal was, you know, Barcelona esque, wasn't it? He gets the ball, latches onto it, takes it round the keeper, and slots it home. As calm as you like, and um, mm. uh, great ball yeah. from Kalu, by the way. It was, it was yeah. Yeah. indeed. Yeah. And that, at the point he he went round Kenny, I was saying, "Run it into the corner!" But he, <laughs> selfish bastard, completely ignored me again. Um, which, which should now be the motto for for every time Torres gets the ball, <laughs> get it in the corner, <laughs> man. In for God's sake, exactly. Um, uh, but on the, I think there was good performances. I think uh, uh, you know, Kalu for me, that was about the only really good thing he did all game. Um, but. Uh, very impressed and, and a note last night I didn't see the game last night because I was um, stuck in this absolute grot ridden suburb of Manchester Wilmslow for anybody listening up there get a grip okay um, I, I can't tell you how rotten it was I had to put up with the noise of a hen party in the hotel right the associated yobbos howling at the door trying to get in okay shouting and screaming the uh, sirens City centre sirens, the flight path of Manchester Airport, okay, and then to cap it all, the gate that led to the car park, like a big secure car park in the hotel, a secure car park, okay, um, you press the button and this gate creaked open, it was like something out of the Adams family, the noise it made, like that, you know, so it was it was a traumatic night. Having said that, um, uh, I, you know, think that uh, overall the atmosphere at QPR or the QPR game was buzzing from Barcelona yeah yeah and I think there were people there was a genuine feeling of kind of joy going into the ground which hasn't been there for a while of you know it, we're, how the fuck are we here from the start you know um, and I just yeah think it's very it, true it was going to take a much bigger team than QPR to, to, to dampen that down um, yeah you know. it's, a, it's an interesting point you make because Obviously, we've we've had a number of years where we've we've confidently strutted up on a Saturday stroke Sunday afternoon stroke whatever evening it is, whatever time we play, where we've been fairly confident of of, of a decent result, and, and I think that that kind of gives way to a sort of not an arrogance as such, but you know, there's a sort of a degree of complacency. Thought, there was a real sort of party atmosphere yeah. about it. It was like yeah. one of those excellent. We've had a we've had a great result. I went, in, I, I, I've got a bit off track then. The point I was, I was making was that um, last night against Newcastle, apparently Persingle went back to right back. And yet, against QPR, as a centre back, uh, and every time he's appeared as a makeshift centre back, he's been outstanding. Against QPR, well, yeah. he was absolutely, you know, whatever threat, as limited as it might have been, remembering you had, you know, Zamora and Cissé, um, mm. the, the crap Cissé up there, um, they, they were. <laughs> Apps, you know, Basingua at times commanded it. He was ball controlled, his movement out, and everything. He looks like a different player, and uh, it strikes me that all the fans are looking at it again. Blimey, Basingua centre back. Who knew? And yet, yeah, yeah. every manager that we've had with him insists on sticking him out at right back. And uh, I don't know. Just, I didn't see the game last night. I just wonder what would have happened had he gone to centre back. And Ivanovic gone out to right back. I, I find it quite surprising, you know. But I think part of the issue is that at right back he has the license to go forward, and therefore he's caught out when he's got to defend. Yeah. Whereas True. at centre back, he's allowed a lot less space to move around him, mm. and he has to stick to that little rectangle. Yeah. And he's normally in the right position. Yeah, I, yeah. very I, true. Actually, yeah, very I true. Thought, I did think he was very. I mean, good. you could say he was perhaps at fault for the first goal in that he showed the guy inside, but that's what the intention was was to show him inside the tracking midfielder hadn't yeah. come back to block the run and Ivanovic was standing two three yards off Cissé which gave him I mean it was still a very good goal but it gave the guy the Too time yeah. to, to to you know tip the ball up swing and hit it and if Ivanovic had been tighter to him 
you know he couldn't have he couldn't have got the turn in in the way that he did. So you know people might say it was Bosingua's fault, but Bosingua you know showed him inside. There was no one covering the inside for him, and then really Ivanovic was just too too far off uh, off Cisse, I mm. think. But um, you know that's. Yeah, last night they were just two very good goals, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, just to elaborate on that, Donald, if you, mm. you add, add the rest of your thoughts about the QPR game and, um, and then we will move on. Before I start, though, I, I should say that um, Tony's tale of his uh, dreadful night in Manchester is perhaps uh, a tip for any, obviously for us oldens, we know this already, but for any um, young people who are trying to climb the, the greasy pole of the executive life, it is a uh, uh, an instructive story in never ever ever upset the person who books your hotel <laughs> you're going away. Do you know, you know, I there was Mister Glover in Wilmslow while yeah. the rest of his crew were probably in luxury <laughs> in yes. the Malmaison. Yeah, and the Malmaison. You know, <laughs> yeah. the thing with the Malmaison is it's in policy, but it's like 155 quid for the night as opposed to the 59 pound I paid for last night. Okay, and <laughs> and. It's all an automated booking system and all that. So I could have gone there, but I, you know, you have to pay for it and then claim it back on expenses. And I'm a tightwad, and I'm learning one very big lesson in my, in my life um, with this policy: you get what you pay for. It's that simple. <laughs> Quite. Um, yeah, back to QPR. I, I thought, sort of coming off the the high of um, Barcelona, that you know, remembering the sort of problems we've had with QPR that. And, and the early kickoffs and so on, that it would be a fairly dour. And then with the pouring rain and the wet pitch, I thought it was just going to be a dour, you know, clogging affair and we'd probably be too distracted. So, mm. um, you know, I turned the radio on, as I said in a thing I put on the blog, that um, I was going to listen on talk radio. And then I thought, oh, Radio London will be doing this. And I turned to Radio London and I thought, oh, maybe that was a mistake. I should have stayed with talk radio. And then within 47 seconds, Chelsea had scored. So... I stayed with Radio London and you know but from what I saw on Match of the Day QPR were, were not good I mean we, we saw last night a team that was compact defended well passed the ball well and so on and, and obviously they give you problems whereas QPR just never got going uh, you know that we, we got a couple of early goals and that just seemed to sink them they um, I, I was quite surprised I thought they'd be there'd be a lot more fight in them than that uh, mm. I was you know, I'm not taking anything away from from us. You know, you still have to play to score six goals, um, but uh, they they were poor, very poor. And uh, you know, I, I feared that last night might be a lot different because although Wigan did us a favour by beating Newcastle, from what I saw of Newcastle and match of the day, they they didn't really turn up for the first half. Mm. I, di- I didn't think that was going to happen last night. Although I must say, I was surprised at quite how well they played. Um, they, yeah, so I, mean, I, don't, I don't mean that in a, in a, a sort of looking down my nose sort of way. I just thought that it's coming to the end of a long season. It's tightening up. They didn't really turn up for Wigan. Are they starting to feel the pressure? And I thought, you know, that might just give us a chance. Um, because obviously we're coming through a, a long period of having every game as a cup final sort of thing. So I think mentally, although we're rotating the players mentally, I think it's, it's the strain is starting to show. And um, you know they they certainly turned up last night and they were they were very good. Um, you know the contrast between QPR and Newcastle, top of the table, bottom of the table, really. Yeah, Big no, time. very true. Um, I, there's two things to round it off. Um, rather than the good, the bad, and the ugly, given that. Um, the Stamford Bridge Choir was in very fine voice that day. Um, we'll go for nominate your best song. Um, I'm going to I'm going to go for We're Going to Germany. You're going to Barnsley. That was um, that was a highlight for me. Uh, Tony, your pick? Yeah, my pick is not a Chelsea song actually. So I'm going to be a bit controversial and say the one that made me laugh the most was the uh, QPR fans resorting to uh, uh, she looks like a horse she looks like a horse Christine Bleakley she looks like a horse which I laughed like a drain at 
I, I mean, I, I have to say, it, it was a good song. It, it, if if every horse looked like Christine Bleakley, Equus <laughs> would never have been written, frankly. Uh, absolutely, so. totally agree. I mean, I think she's a bit of a hottie, but now that's got me questioning my own taste as well. Anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> Mark, your favourite your favourite ditty from the from the game. To be honest, my mind's gone completely blank. I I can't remember any of the songs. But actually, just picking up on the um, she looks like a horse type song. Actually, I thought it was a bit offensive. Mm. And um, I don't know why people pick on Frank Lampard. He seems an easy target. I mean, every time he went over there to take a corner, they were quite abusive towards him. Mm. Uh-huh. And um, I mean, it's a bit like the um, saga with the son and the and Roy Roy Hodgson. Yeah. Mm. It's um, I think taking the Mickey out of Frank Lampard, you know, calling him Fat Frank or whatever. That's one thing. Whether it's true or not, it's irrelevant. Frank's a big boy; he can take it. To put it on to his girlfriend, fiance, mm. wife soon to be, I think actually is is offensive. And if she's if she's in the ground, I would have thought she'd have found that quite upsetting. Mm. And all, just by you know through association with Frank, she has to get um, five thousand very nasty people um, from West London who have probably been into bread. Which is the only way they no no because generally you you end up supporting um, the team of your parents, mm. but with them, I mean, to have to support QPR. There must be a lot of interbreeding going on. Um, I mean, they look they look interbred <laughs> when you see them in the street, and I, I saw a lot of them on the central line going home to West London because that's the way I live. Mm. So I, I feel sorry for Christine Bleakley. And um, I, I, it wasn't my favourite. I found it offensive, actually. Oh, I, I thought yeah, well, she's a big girl. She'll have heard worse at the game. Yeah, I know, but it's uh, just unnecessary. I mean, um, it's it's sort of going back to the, the, the posh spice type chants from you know the mid nineties or whatever. Which, but that, you know, football's riddled with it. You know, there are songs it, that, uh, that absolutely I I no, it is. But we have to before. accept. Yeah, no, I, 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 it's a bit like taking your kids to the ground and then moaning that they're going to hear swear words, isn't it? You know, don't take them. You know, and, and I've had that from people. You know, the language is really bad. Well, you know, it's a football match, and um, yeah, forty thousand people are going to sing songs that other people might find dubious. I suppose. I mean, uh, I, I was never particularly keen on some of the songs that were sung about Adebayor. Um, You know, with, with the, if, if anything bordering on the racist. Um, you know, do the people sing about you know the famous Tottenham Hotspur going to see the Pope? You know, if any deeply religious Catholics might find that slightly offensive because I doubt the, the Pope would ever actually say that about any football team, <laughs> uh, least of all Tottenham Hotspur. So you, know, you never I, know. I mean, yeah, I t- whatever he said, it would have been in Italian. Yeah, I mean, and in the, in, the, in the in the sort of spirit of the game, they had little else to sing about. I mean, there was a chant of "We can see you sneaking out" because. I think when goal number five went in, they lost about two-thirds of their crowd at that point, I think. were, um, But obviously, they were trying to avoid the traffic and trying to make sure that they got to their trains in time or whatever. But, uh, their caravans. They, I, did, I, <laughs> I have to be careful, Mark, you see, because I am from that area of London that uh, that, that is primarily... QPR country and um, you know uh, I do remember the, the drubbings that some of their former teams you know handed out um, in the days of Marsh and Bowles or whatever you know but uh, mm-hmm. um, you know I, 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 I've my level of you know, hatred is too strong a word my level of disdain and uh, or whatever um, for them went up after that game at Loftus Road this year with their whole it's pretty unpleasant you know it was unnecessary you know and um I, I mean, I know there wasn't much in the way of booing Anton Ferdinand, or at least I didn't particularly detect any of it because the bloke's a crap footballer, you know. So he's he's having to live with the fact that he's patently, you know, nowhere near as good as other members of his family, and uh, and they, they, you know, at the end of it, and I, I guess a neutral would have felt quite sorry for such a downbeat and downtrodden bunch of no mark journeymen footballers, including Joey Barton, who took a equal amount of stick from us Mark when he was taking corners at the Matthew Harding end you know so he really did I mean fat Frank Lampard and he said fat Frank then good God um, but Frank, Frank Lampard had a very um, uh, a Mona Lisa like smile on his face when he was taking the penal- uh, the taking the corners and we were 6-0 up I think you know well, you, I mean, you can give Frank- me as much stick as you like but it's kind of this kind of uh, 
benign smile that he had on his face. But the thing is, Frank Frank has commented on this on this in the past. Where he said it, it amuses him no end to walk over to you know where he's taking a corner or a free kick and having, you know, whichever set of fans happen to be abusing him that day, singing, you know, you fat bastard or whatever, you know, and, and he said, they, he said, they're all 20 stone. It's, you know, <laughs> and frankly, having, having seen on occasion, the man with his shirt off, yeah. you know, in, I would hasten to add on television or at the ground and, and nowhere else, you know, he's a fairly lithe sort of chap. You know, yes. there, there's not a great deal of fat on him, if the truth be told, but, um, <laughs> I, I do. My understanding is, um, I spoke to someone who works part of the bar staff in the executive lounges and everything. That they were all warned that when she came in, none of them to ask her why the long face. Wait, hang on. I hang on. Right to round to round off that that heated debate, um, and to, to end to end on a happy note, we are generally a sentimental bunch here in the Podding Shed. So we were more than happy to see a blushing bride in the West Stand on uh, Sunday. She quietly announced herself um, to Stamford Bridge um, by roaring to the front with a wedding dress on and a Petticheck shirt underneath and a big blue wig. Very inconspicuous. Um, she was on her hen party. Her name is Danielle Friel, and she is marrying a lucky chap called Andy Horseman on July the 6th. And uh, to honour their nuptials, we have uh, a brief musical interlude for the happy couple. Dr Bayou, if you would, please. This could all go very, very badly wrong. Oh, don't <laughs> worry. This is the, mar- the marriage will be, will be wonderful. You know, the Ladies music that comes before, maybe. Ladies and gentlemen, I thank you. I'll just adjust the volume here. A round of applause there. I'd Absolutely magnificent. A crescendo uh, at the end, I believe that is, isn't it? I, 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 superb. Um, Danielle, Andy, good luck for the big day and a long and happy Chelsea supporting life to both of you. Um, I should note at this point that the Podding Check Quartet is available for weddings, christenings, funerals and bar mitzvahs and indeed VIP functions at Champions League finals. It needs all four of us, Dr. Blue Bio and the Keys, and the other three of us to carry his mighty organ, it says here. Should you feel the need to fire, hire four chaps with a pawn shop for laughing at their own jokes and generally waffling on a bit to provide some entertainment in Munich. Do get in touch. Moving swiftly on to the Newcastle game, um, I think the motto of this was the second string wasn't really cutting it. Um, very sharp opposition. Um, amongst the best football I've seen at Stamford Bridge this season, I include Barcelona in that, um, in the sense that Newcastle actually managed to score. Um, great one-touch football from the the opposition we played reasonably well in the first half and far better in the second once um, there were some substitutions of um, the, the less good for the likes of Frank Matter and Drogba um, but no particular complaints about the result um, I'm not actually entirely sure I was, I was there uh, Mark I believe you were as well <coughs> I was if you actually it wasn't that second string I mean mm. there was checking goal Terry mm. Ivanovic um, Mikel, the midfield, Torres. the midfield was a bit shaky. It has yeah. to be said. But as second strings go, it was sort of reasonably strong. It was reasonably strong second string. But I think it was just one of those games. But um, I mean, the way I went to the game was um, fairly blasé, actually. Yeah. I have to say, my mind is now on um, finals, and um, partly on the FA Cup final, but really, it's on the Champions League final. Mm. And I'm almost of the mind that, um, well, the chances of us winning both finals is, well, it's 50-50 for each one, I'd say. Mm. So it's a 25% chance of winning both. Therefore, if we lose the Liverpool one, everything then hinges on the Champions League final, and that's what's keeping me going. And I'm thinking that if I'm thinking that way, I'm thinking the players are probably thinking that way as well. Mm. It must be very difficult now for them to be concentrating on this fight for fourth place when you're sixth yeah. and to get motivated for it when you know that the biggest game of your career is coming up in two and a half weeks' time. I did notice that Maluda looked far more energetic last night 
and that carrot dangling in two and a half weeks is mm. now swinging on its rope in front of all of them. And even he thinks, you know, if he puts in a couple of good performances, you know, someone might get injured or whatever. Um, he's in with a chance. He's there, yeah. Good. But really, I, I, I wasn't really too bothered about last night. And, and in a way, as I mentioned on the blog earlier today, I think it's a blessing in disguise in that if we're going to go hell for leather for the last two games, I mean, Liverpool away on Tuesday and then Blackburn, we, we can't afford to knacker anybody else. You know, we've got our two centre-backs who are eligible to play, both on the um, injury table with Fabregas giving them deep massages in their upper thighs. <laughs> yes. And we've got four players suspended. You know, if we lose one or two more, yeah. it doesn't matter how much spirit we've got, we really are going to be we're struggling. Gonna, we're so struggle. yeah. basically, everybody who is fit and are the best players should play on Saturday against Liverpool. And after that, no one in the first team, including Peter Cech, should mm. play again until Munich. So I'm quite happy with last night's result. Mm. Yeah, I, it's a very good point, actually. And, and I think you're absolutely right in terms of, I think um, very, a couple of other people have made the point about, well, listen, fourth is gone. Now let's just make sure the players are wrapped in cotton wool and, um, and, and you know, fit for Saturday and then fit for May the 19th. And I think I, it's a very good point in terms of you know, I, we're we're no longer fussed about the league. You've got a lot of players there who, frankly, don't have the legs to to keep scrapping away in this. You know, God knows how many games we will have played by the end of this season. But you would suggest the ones in their in their thirties and um, and older are are now struggling. To, I um, yesterday that we've played the second highest number of games as an English club. Mm. Really, and the first is uh, Manchester United. No, no, they're not in any cup competitions. They're useless. Oh, they, you mean they, this, have... they mean this season. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I meant. I thought you meant overall. Oh. Uh, is it someone? Is it someone who's in the Europas who's travelled yes. around a bit? Yeah, yeah, it's in Europas. Um, but it's Stoke or someone like that, is it? Not Stoke, but someone like. Is it? Um, Who hung on in there in the Europa League? I'm trying to think now. F- is it? Is it Tottenham? Someone like that? No, not Tottenham. Um, Fulham. No, they, st- they they found speak with a rather strange accent. Well, I mean, that is it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Birmingham City. Oh, right. ah, okay. Of course, because you play a lot of games in the Championship, don't you? Well, they played, yeah, they, they played yes. qualifiers to get into the Europa League. Uh, they did, yeah. didn't they? And they did reasonably well in a couple of cup competitions, yeah. as well, didn't they? So, yeah, yeah no, that's true. But apart from them, we, we've played the highest number of games, so they've got every right to be knackered. Mm. Yeah. yeah I, I thought last night, I, I only saw it on... on um, on my computer screen, it magically appeared without me in any way asking for it. Um, and um, yes, you know, Newcastle were good, and, and I suppose on the balance, you'd say deserved to win. But until the sort of wonder goal, it was always on that we were going to get the draw, you know, although we possibly didn't deserve it and were putting the ball in too straight and, and didn't have enough creativity. I thought first half. You know, Newcastle did look a good footballing side and it was sort of backwards and forwards. I didn't think we were too much out of it. I'm not saying that we were, you know, performing at our best level, but we were certainly competitive and we had a couple of decent chances and they had two or three good chances and and took one of them. And it was an enjoyable game of football from that point of view. Um, I didn't think we were particularly you know, shamed out of it. And certainly once Teote went off, I thought, I mean, they were falling back on that one goal anyway, but once yeah. Teote went off and we made our subs, sort of mixture of the two sort of cranked it up, but we, we just didn't make good use of the possession. There was too many sort of long, aimless balls knocked into, you know, I, I remember when Colaccini first arrived and, and they got relegated, didn't they? People were laughing about him, but he is actually quite a quality... <laughs> quality defender you know they, they've sort of had various partnerships now at the back in the last season or two and he's remained pretty solid throughout that and you know they they defended well as a unit you know they, they did what they had to do and um but you know had you know it was two really good strikes by Cissé but particularly the second one it, it was a game that we might have got a, we certainly never looked like winning it but I thought we might have, might have nicked a point at some point yeah. well, I will say this for Alan Pardew I mean, there's quite a lot of people giving him stick and so on and so forth I remember when he was unemployed after West Ham he regularly I used to see him regularly sitting there 
sort of behind the bench area almost. He used to regularly go to Stamford Bridge. You know, he, he wasn't used- up in the executives or anywhere. He was like regularly down in in, in the sort of lower east. Yeah, no, he is a, he is a Chelsea fan by all accounts. So I'm yeah. relaying what I've heard elsewhere, but he is apparently a Chelsea fan. And we were talking about it at work. There was a couple of guys, you know, at work were saying, you know, Newcastle they they don't have any big name players and. You know that's in many ways their secret. They they've bought well and they've they've meshed them together well. But there's no there's no players that apart perhaps from Cisse, who's now above the parapet, who you'd say someone is going to try and snaffle off of them straight away. But they've got a good group of of you know people like Gutierrez who's been there a while. Mm. They've got this Caballé. They've got Tiote. You know they they're sort of first say fifteen. 18 players is a is a good solid group uh, yeah I mean it's, it's good interesting oh, good luck to them they, they've, suff- they've suffered a lot haven't they you know, <laughs> I don't particularly like their current um, chairman and so on and so forth but you know what's it uh, I, I don't particularly like the way he, he, he came into the club and I, I think he's he's always on the lookout to try and sell them at the best price and I I think the current situation has come about not by his making, you know, with or he stumbled upon it, if you know what I mean, what with the, the return of Keggy and, you know, all sorts of jumping here, jumping there, that one minute he's going to sell, the next minute he's not. Whereas I think they've now stumbled on a, a, a decent manager and, and someone up there, whoever's in charge of player acquisitions, mm. is, is doing very well. I mean, to be fair to Ashley, he, you know, he obviously took an awful lot of stick from, I mean, from the the Geordies themselves but you know he's by no means he was yes he was obviously looking to sell but he's by no means let the the whole thing sort of fall by the wayside you know, oh no no because he, he's it. taken the view that he needs to keep the club competitive in order to to get the best price for it but his early days there I don't mean just because he's he's not a Geordie or anything like that I just meant that he seemed to make an enormous number of mistakes and misjudgments and I'm not sure that that this is all you know, I don't think this is down to him. I think that uh, I don't know who's up there, but there are obviously some people in the background mm. there who who know their football and know how to, to pick a good and, and buy a good, a decent player. You know, without overpaying for them, there. A team in the background there who know what they're doing. Yeah, it's a funny one because I, I mean, Cisse himself is, is you know he wasn't particularly well heard of, but you know he was a second top scorer in the Bundesliga yes, yeah. last season or season before last whatever it was mm. so he, he was presumably on the radar of any number of clubs in Europe but um, but yeah I, you know they've done yeah, they're buying no marks they're, yeah. they're buying players who who have a track record but not necessarily ones that are you know attracting top dollar they're, they're getting them in and they they seem to have a nice blend there they were a good team to watch you know, yeah so. I thought they were actually, I thought they were, they were excellent um Tony, I, uh, whether we, we excuse you from, from comment on the game to any great things, I don't think you saw it, as far as I'm aware, because you, you were elsewhere. Yeah, indeed. Um, uh, my only thought is is that, uh, I suppose, on the, on, if, on the umbrella subject of our season, fourth place, and whatever, I, I, I get the impression... There are a couple of things, but one of the impressions I got, and my daughter went last night. She she took uh, she took my seat, and um, uh, I thought you were looking more attractive than usual. Yeah, she, she she's basically uh, said it. You know, it was it was it was an okay game and everything like that. Um, and you know, we were competitive, etc. I think uh, uh, Di Matteo himself said that um, the players were burnt out. I think that was the exact words he used at the end of the game. Mm. Um, uh, it's a slightly evocative, uh, emotive phrase um, with an FA Cup final it's two or three concern, days away. Frankly, but um, um, but no surprise, they have played some. You know, I mean, I think Man United and Man City they played a, a rather dour game. I think on on Monday night, um, considering mm. the lack of games they've had to be involved in at the level we have lately. Um, so uh, I think it's, it's fairly obvious that um, you know we've got a he's got the squad together he's picking from the squad um, so I don't go with the second string uh, thing either I think Ryan Bertrand he's, you know, this is the time that players like him should be getting that time fourth even with a win last night Spurs 
pretty much done bolting. Even if we won last night, it's not in our hands. And uh, um, I, I, I think that actually it will focus us more on the Champions League. And I think mm. there'll, be, there'll be more... If, if ever there was more motivation required now and uh, some of those players won't be with us next season so um, but you know surely professional pride would kick into place you want to be going out if, if Drogba's off to Marseille or wherever you want that that you want that gong you want that one to say you've done it because uh, none of our players oh but Basinga won one didn't he is he won one yeah. or is it one of them is a yeah, but single one at Porto. Yeah, but you know, you want that one with 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 Chelsea. And I think the other comment I, I've got, and I was sort of following the game on on Twitter as, as best I could, um, was the uh, apparent booing of Gus Poyet at half time, which I think is an utter disgrace. And, and people need. That. They, I they, think they, a very uh, got a much. Yeah, better, I, I, really. I, I, I. Um, there, were, there was a little. To be honest, there was a little bit of booing, yeah. but he did. By and large, the reception was fairly good. good. I, I'm glad to hear that. That's that's kind of restored my faith a bit because some people need to get over themselves if they're booing him because he left us. Um, having been turfed out by Ranieri and chose Spurs, I think you know people really need to get a bloody grip on themselves. And, and no, 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 I would say that compared to most people who go walking around the ground, he has got the warmest reception I can remember, to be honest. And mm-hmm. some, and some jazzy coat, apparently. Yeah, the, the, the most stylish overcoat seen since um, since Jose stalked the dugout by all accounts. Yeah, yeah. But, uh... <laughs> I think I think I think Roberto Di Mi- Matteo cuts a, a, a sartorially elegant figure. On the he, sti- he still looks like the hood from Thunderbirds, though. He does look like the hood from Thunderbirds. That's, no that's my only. Con- my, it's not a concern as such, you know. It's kind of good to have an, an arch yeah, villain in charge, absolutely. you know, underneath Roman. Take that as you will, but um, <laughs> but yeah, no. I, point. I, I always. Poi gets a little stick because when they beat, when Spurs beat us in the Carling Cup, he went off and he was kissing, you know, he kissed the badge as he went off, which you know caused enormous offence amongst Chelsea fans. And to be honest, it wasn't the shrewdest thing to do. But he did actually say afterwards. I, I remember reading an interview with him afterwards, saying he wasn't actually really aware of the significance of the derby because he'd never really played in a big city derby before in his career. Now, whether listen, whether he was, you know smoothing over for the sake yeah. of um, an easy life or whatever I have no idea but he he did actually sort of quantify it saying you know it's just football folks I didn't really realise um, yeah. you know I think that's my point is is that the people who are you know holding a, a perceived snub or uh, a, you know insult or whatever you know years afterwards really move on bear move more on. bear Get more life. grudges than high court judges and yeah exactly yeah, yeah. um I think that probably rounds off the Newcastle game. We, we should actually say uh, I, it's highly unlikely anyone listening hasn't seen Cissé's, either of Cissé's goals, but if you haven't seen the second one, get yourself onto YouTube because <laughs> it is an absolute corker. Petacek's face thereafter is um, is fairly priceless, albeit you don't like to see goals scored against your keeper. It, it, for me, it was up there with um, with Ronaldinho's little little shimmy in the Champions League for Barcelona a few seasons ago. And um, I think it was kind of unstoppable, wasn't it? Even uh, though you, yeah, you could you, see it coming a long way out. There was still no way. Of stopping there was still it. no way you were getting near it. Yeah, but um, yeah, a, a great goal and um, and a deserved win. So um, you know, well done Newcastle. And um, it's it's sort of it's almost a shame in the sense that. Spurs will probably get fourth ahead of them and we're going to have to win the Champions League just to stop Spurs getting in the Champions League again but you know we'll see how we go um, we will move on via a quick note um, to say the Chelsea youth are playing in the second leg of their FA Cup final in um, just over just over a week I think um, with their 4-0 up from the first leg which I think we congratulated them on last time Good luck for the second leg, no complacency, and um, let's hope we can bring home um, two FA Cups, to which we will move on to Saturday. Um, the FA Cup still holds a very, very fond place in the hearts of, um, of most fans of a certain age, I would say. Um, Liverpool, I, I suspect the atmosphere is probably going to be a little poisonous, but unfortunately that's, um, there's not much we can do about that. Um, 5.15 kick-off time, slightly pissed off about that because it doesn't feel right um, just in the same way as when my tickets arrived at the end of last week the red ribbons on the cup 
because it's the FA Cup with Budweiser. Um, not particularly impressive, but let's not dwell on the bad stuff. Um, we're in another FA Cup final. Um, I think what we need to do is actually just go around and um, regale our favourite FA Cup tale, um, whether it's Chelsea-related or not Chelsea-related. Um, Mark, I suspect you've probably seen more FA Cup finals than most of us. How dare you? <laughs> Swine. Um, yes, I remember the um, 1913 <laughs> semi uh, cup final against Sheffield Wednesday. Were you um, were you there when the White Horse was there? That's the one, yeah. Uh, 1923. Indeed. West Ham Bolton. Um, tell us about your favourite. Um, I think my favourite probably is the 1970 cup final um, in the old Wembley sitting at the far end from where we scored our equaliser and I was only 13 at the time mm. and I was desperately upset that we were losing to Leeds who we all hate or we did then because they were a competitor but they're not really a competitor now we still hate um, and um, it was only about 5 minutes to go 2-1 and uh, 3 years previous I'd just seen us lose 2-1 to Tottenham so I was probably weeping at that point I can't remember exactly and then John Hollins whacked in a cross from the left hand wing and Ian Hutchinson flung himself head, head first and uh, put the ball past Gary Sprake which actually on hindsight wasn't that difficult <laughs> and um, we managed to get a two all draw I never got to the replay because my dad said I was too young and I had school the next day so I had to watch it on TV but um, yes I shall remember that game forever a fine one yes. and um, the, the one I've got uh, somewhere lurking around I've got the video but I, wasn't it the one that David Ellery you know, he did re-referee re-refereed yes and I think they end- a five-a-side game by the, yeah. by the time finished. they ended up with six and we ended up with five I think um, <laughs> and that must have been on his mind in 94 wasn't it he, yeah, yeah, yeah very probably yeah, <laughs> yeah. Trying to, he tried to leave them with 11 and us with one but it, was the, one, it was the one that I, I mean I remember it for the reason that that was my birth into supported Chelsea um and they, they, the, the pitch they played on at Wembley, they, it was it was two days after the Horse of the Year show, and um, <laughs> if you can if you can imagine such a thing now, um, and it, it it was just you know it it looked like they had had the Horse of the Year show on it. It was an incredible thing, and then, I think the replay, if I remember rightly, Mark was Old Trafford, wasn't it? They didn't do yes. replays yes. at Wembley yeah. then. Well, actually, no. um, no. on Chelsea TV this week, they've been showing the old games. And they showed the Watford semi-final when we won 5-1 at White Hart Lane. And if you think the pitch was bad at Wembley for the final, the pitch for the semi-final was just unbelievable. I mean, it was just divots and um, it was completely covered in sand. And it was so uneven towards the end, you couldn't pass a ball. It was laughable. I mean, how people played games in those days is um, unbelievable. Mm. Yeah, the the 71 of us... I think sticks out for a lot of people. I, I was up in my bedroom sobbing bitter tears when they equalised because I'd fled <laughs> at the 2-1 point upstairs. And um, I, I'll always remember the Old Trafford one because it was um, it was the start of, and, and probably the end of, of a, a short medical career when at the age of 11 I'd, uh, I'd diagnosed my brother's appendicitis. He'd... Um, He'd complained of uh, appendicitis. Uh, he'd complained of, of stomach pains uh, the day before, and then that morning. And I'd said to my mum, "Oh, he's got appendicitis," because my best friend at school had just had his appendix out. And so I came home um, eager with anticipation for the for the game, you know, the replay on the telly, and. Um, I said to my mum, you know, oh, where's my brother? And she said, oh, he's in bed, he's still got these stomach pains. I said, he's got appendicitis, he's got appendicitis. And um, I suppose what I should have done was get him on the kitchen table and operate. But there was a game, there was a game to watch. So, Do you think he caught it from your friend at school? And <laughs> <laughs> it, was, so, it was going about. So, of course, he was a Tottenham fan, so he's lying in, in the room next door, gently moaning while, you know, Chelsea are covering themselves in glory. And, of course, I came home from school the next day and he wasn't in bed and I said well, where's John he'd in fact been taken to hospital and had his appendix out uh, and so my mother was confronted with a doubly smug individual because not only being the only Chelsea fan in the family not only had Chelsea just won the cup but uh, 
her 11 year old son had um, was destined for a career in medicine obviously well right, either, yes. that, either, mm. that or, either that or bloody witchcraft <laughs> that's what I could say I'd be looking down at my kid thinking this ain't not right with you <laughs> how could you well, and I think I think I think she spent my whole childhood thinking <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't think it was anything different but the other one I think apart from 70 is 97 because it was like you know it, it was sort of like a a dam breaking wasn't it you know that sort of to yeah, win. It was, it was I just remember just standing there just thinking you know little realising that I was going to be standing there thinking the same thing for quite a few years following but you know having waited so long it was just so fantastic I know it was only Middlesbrough and all that sort of old nonsense and you know we still weren't a power in football we were just clawing our way back up to respectability but it was just oh, it was a fantastic day that one particularly after the 94 debacle um, mm. and uh, you know you really started to feel like you were going places and I think 97 as much as you know 70 is sort of from one era and then 97 I think because it seems to kick off yeah. the whole new era for me and it was it was just so long since we'd won anything other than the cross channel trophy and things like that you know well I think we've um, 70, so, sorry Jonathan when, when we won it in 1970 it was the first time mm. which was amazing for me I'd supported mm. Chelsea all this time we'd never won yes it. yes Have yeah yeah, and, and now, really, we almost own the FA Cup. Mm. We, I mean, we're always there. Yeah. Wembley's our second home, and we—if we win this weekend, we're the um, fourth highest all-time winners of the FA Cup. Mm. Oh, right, okay. Who's the first? The Royal Regiment of Engineers, or Blythe Spartans, yeah. or someone like that? Yeah. Back in eighteen seventy-three, probably won it every year for ten yeah. years or something. Mm. Well, it actually, in a, in a timely manner, Rick Glanville, um, Chelsea historian and all-round good chap, has just tweeted that. Um, Chelsea ladies have actually just they've just I think they've just beaten Arsenal and, and made their FA Cup final. So now we have well we've got four finals. We've got the um the first team in the FA Cup final, the youth team in the FA Cup final, the ladies in the FA Cup final, and the first team in the Champions League final. So all round We've got finals coming out of it. We we can't move for finals, which is a good thing. Um yeah, I mean in, in terms of finals for me, ninety seven stands out because I just moved to um I moved to Southfields, and and there was a re- it was obviously becoming a real sort of it was a real Chelsea enclave, and, and bundled up, didn't get a ticket obviously, and bundled up onto the King's Road and um, squeezed our way into a pub, and, and, and barely got our asses on the seats until well, asses squeezed into a place where you could actually stand um, when Di Matteo hit the um, hit the forty three seconder, and um, and all hell broke loose, but. Other than that, I think the 2007 one stands out um, because it was actually quite a good game of football, despite what everyone said. Oh, it was dull. It was you know, it was nil nil at full time. It was actually a really good game of football. If you like, I'm not a massive sort of tactician or, or, or a big fan of sort of football tactics and so forth, but it was actually a good game of football between two teams, despite all the moaning. I think you know, Motson and um, Mark Lawrence were whinging and moaning because it hadn't been end to end and goals galore but it was actually technically a good game of football um, I'd flown back from Naples the night before um, and got in at about 3 o'clock in the morning and, um, and still was, it was a mate who got married out there and we I sort of risked, risked the wrath of Mrs Dyer and, um, and various other people by changing the flight back because we were meant to come back on the Saturday and we got to the cup final and I said fuck that I'm not hanging around in Italy I shall be at Wembley old son um, and came back and thoroughly enjoyed it and um, had a very drunken evening in North London thereafter and, um, and we sort of set a tradition whereby we, we drink in the same pub after the game win or lose and um, we go to the same curry house and um, it's been pretty lucky for us ever since it's, um, mm. it's three times on the trot so I'm hoping that um, that Saturday will be the fourth um, Tony I do I remember you, I think one of your early memories from um, from from reading you extensively over the years and um, and talking to you one of your your very earliest memories is the 1970 cup final and Peter Osgood it is uh, I mean it was where um, you know his name will forever be uh, you know linked into Chelsea and me uh, I'd been supporting Chelsea I guess for you know, three weeks or whatever time it was from the the semi final to that final. I, you know, I, I'd I'd been at school and and everybody at school. We lived in Hayes in Middlesex, and mm. uh, but you know, kids being kids at that age, you know, they all wanted Leeds to win, and it was as as, as literally stupid as nine year old boys associating the word Leeds with leaders. 
and everything like that. <laughs> and yeah, it, but you know, as daft as it was, and I think cause that had Leeds, I, I can't remember if they won the league or they were second. We were third that year, so it may have been Everton that won the, 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 the league that year. It was Everton, Leeds, Chelsea, but we were definitely third anyway. Um, and uh, yeah, I just remember going home, you know, sort of asking my, my dad and you know, my dad saying, well, no, A, Chelsea are the underdogs. And that's, uh, you know, well, was an underdog, I said, you know, and he said, well, that's the one that nobody thinks will win. And I, that sort of 50% of the way went, oh, well, I quite like the idea of that, you know, David Goliath and that sort of thing. And um, uh, and then he just said that, you know, Chelsea were the local team. And I'd lived in Hayes probably for about seven of my nine years at that point, not realising that I had a team, you know, comparatively close, especially when you compare to where I live now. Uh, and within days, my bedroom was like adorned with pictures of Osgood, Tambling, Hutchinson, uh, Hudson, uh, Benetti, all of those greats and, and everything like that. And, and for me, the overriding memory of that is the fact that, like Donal, um, you know, I I missed an equalising goal because uh, I was in tears. And that was at the replay. Um, and uh, I, you know, we were losing 1-0. Uh, I don't. I think the only point in the whole of the two games that we were in front was when Webby scored the winner um, from the, the Hutchinson windmill yeah. throw. And I just remember, you know, I, the, the treat was two biscuits. Can I have two biscuits, Dad? Uh, it was just like a nightly ritual. Yeah, all right, then go on in. Off I'd go get about five, you know, in, down the pajamas <laughs> and all sorts of things, you know. And uh, it was, this was in the place. Yeah, this can, this I, can I just interject that the small details of Glover's life that we're getting, you know, <laughs> the understairs covered with Peter Crow, you know, it's all mounting up into a, a rather a disturbing picture. So it's not I, just I, fluffing I, your belly button. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's I think it's time that, to take your children away. And, um, yeah. um, sorry, they, Tony, they, carry they on. Were, they were bourbons. Um, and, uh, there's, there's, there's frankly a whole sitcom here, you know. There's, there's, yeah, there's, 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 there's Pete, there's Pete and Tony sitting in the understairs cupboard. <laughs> a couple of biscuits, Pete. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, and I was about to in my pajamas. Yeah, um, but it, that, you know, the fact was, I went out to the cupboard, um, the larder where we kept the biscuits, and uh, you know, as I as I literally dipped my hand in, I just heard this, you know, wounded animal shriek howl swear word Alf Garnet moment <laughs> running back in and we'd equalised and mm. uh, you know so it seemed like a, it seemed like an eternity between the equaliser and them actually deigning to show the slow motion replay of it and you know from that point onwards it was it was an amazing night um, and I but you know they're when you talk about all those the great FA Cup moments it, just in general um, uh, you know the, the competition never ceases to amaze you with um you know, against the odds things or moments of, uh, uh, you know, the sort of defining moments. The 43 seconds one, you know, was the one. I, mm. I, I watched that around my brothers and I dispatched my wife and he dispatched his then girlfriend off for the afternoon shopping because we did not want <laughs> inane <laughs> women asking stupid bloody questions that was our attitude at the time we were a bit less enlightened you know back in in 97 or whatever um, and so we dispatched them or conditioned yeah and I, I just <laughs> I just recall the fact that at the end of the game we had a bottle of champagne that we'd uh, sort of drunk between us uh, and decided that wasn't enough and so we walked up the road to his local shops off our faces and you know, but the, the, this was in the days of the you know you walk into the shop and the fact that you had two um, back in them days thirty something blokes walking in off their faces wearing Chelsea shirts, singing things like "Come and have a go if you think you're hard enough" and all that, um, and were quite happy to serve us with some um, you know uh, cider and all sorts of other horrible things or whatever. You know, so that was a, that was a, a particularly great day, I think, because like Donald said, it, it kind of lanced a boil. You know, it was a very um, uh, big moment, you know, in Chelsea's history. And and, and finally, you know, was it 27 years, Fine. wasn't it, without a, 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 any sort of meaningful mm. trophy, if you're not including Zenith Data Systems Cups and stuff like that, you know. It, uh, yeah. The good people of Lav may may dispute that with the cross-channel trophy always being up every so often. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe. I mean, it's like the Watney's Cup. There's one for mm. you. One for the teenagers, the Watney's Cup. Mm. 
<laughs> ah, yes, you see. And now so it's Budweiser. Yeah. Yes, yes, the um, indeed. one, yeah, one sparkly, fizzy load of old shite replaced by. <laughs> <laughs> we need to make sure it gets um, sponsored by brands with blue colouring. So we, we need to work hard to get it transferred across to Peroni. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Peroni. The, the FA Cup with Peroni. What, what was the old Watney's joke? Why is Watney's like making love in a punt? Because it's expletive close to water. I think that was it. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yes. <laughs> it's all right. I, I, I think we've, we've, we've well gone past A, the watershed, and B, B the point where we manage our... our mm. For those without a, an Oxbridge education, which is all of us, uh, perhaps, <laughs> um, a, punt, a punt is a flat-bottomed craft that you find on certain yes. rivers in posh university towns. Uh, do carry on. And we, yes, um, I, I'm, I'm trying to sort of bring, bring it all back. Um, yes, and, and you're doing a fine job. <laughs> I do, yeah, I'm wonderful. I, I've not lost my thread at all there. FA Cup, yes, right. Jumpers for goalposts. Um, um, so to Saturday, um, I, do, I, I am still extraordinarily pissed off with the kickoff time. I'm pissed off about the ref ribbons. All it needs is for us to get there and, and they'll have replaced a vibe with me, which is one of my favourite moments of the year, tragic as though that may sound. Yeah. They'll have probably placed it with the Anheuser Bush company anthem and I'm I'm probably likely to go postal on Wembley Way. But Do you know what's really strange, John, is that Anheuser Bush part uh, partly own or are Molson the Molson Brewery, the big Canadian the Canadians have some share in this Anheuser Busch. Yes. I'm not quite sure how it all ties together. And the really strange thing is that, you know, the Molson family, who no longer obviously control the whole thing, but still obviously have shares, they uh, they are now back in control of the Montreal Canadiens. And, you know, they yeah. compete that they own you know, a signature team in a sport and they compete for the stand you could never imagine now there's a Stanley Cup, you know, which is played for in North America, a big North American sporting occasion. Mm. They don't have any of this old cack around. You know, you don't have the, the Molson Stanley Cup or anything. They wouldn't have it. They wouldn't stand for it. Mm. You know, and yet we, we're given the impression that this is all, you know, the sort of, uh, this is the way sport goes around the rest of the world. For, yeah, for, their, for, their, signature, for their signature things, they don't, you know... Uh, the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl doesn't have, you know, it's not the Budweiser Super Bowl or the Super Bowl with Budweiser, is it? No. You know, they don't, when it comes to their big signature things, they don't have all that nonsense going on. And so why do we? I just find it appalling. Well, it's it's very yeah. true. And just, uh, it, it's one of those things that, um, just, just by way of a, a bit of research and a bit of local colour, is... Um, if you get the chance to talk to those who are going out to Munich, if you get the chance to talk to Bayern Munich fans about how they do football, it's worth doing so because it's an education. Um, just for the simple reason that when Sky Deutsch, Deutsch turned up or whoever they happened to be and said, right, actually what we want is we want to give you lots of money for your television rights and, and we'd like to kick off games at midday and then we'd like summer at 7.15 on a Monday evening or whatever it happens to be, the fans said absolutely no fucking way we're not tolerating this, uh, tolerating that at all and as such most the vast majority of games in Germany kick off at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon that's the way it is um, you can have a beer in the ground you can stand on a terrace mm. your match ticket will get you public transport on the day of the final anywhere within the city limits as it will at the Champions League final as well so everyone needing to get to the Alliance Arena you wave your ticket at the man and he goes yep on you get thank you very much and so on and so forth. So does uh, that work at the Lufthansa gate at Heathrow Airport? <laughs> I try that at King's Cross. I'm working in reverse. I'm hoping if I, I get to the Alliance Arena and wave my boarding card for Lufthansa, I can get into the ground. But you know, <laughs> I think it's unlikely to work that way. But um, but yeah, and the simple fact is, when I went out there in 2006 to to Dortmund um, and saw Brazil Ghana. I, I chatted to, ended up chatting to a Borussia Dortmund fan and, um, and, he, and he laughed heartily when I told him how much I paid for my season ticket and he told me he paid 200 euros to stand on one of the biggest terraces in Europe where he could, he could have a beer and mm. um, you know they've just, they've just shelled out a, a, another shed load of money haven't, haven't they Sky um, for, the, for the Bundesliga oh uh, have they? yeah and it'll be interesting to see what they're going to get out of it this time because they, it's 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 the biggest set you know sort of 
amount of money that's been paid for the rights over there for football. So it'll be interesting to see whether they can hold the line now or not because, um, yeah, there's been a biggish increase. I, I seem to remember reading somewhere the other week. Mm. So, But, yes, you know, fair play to them. I, I just think the FA Cup is, is big enough that they, they don't have to. Yeah, you don't need all that. You know, someone sitting there in the meeting with the marketing people who said, oh, and we, we'd like to put our ribbons around the cup. And someone should have, you know, the brass as opposed to the crystal balls to just say, no, that's not what you paid for, you mm. know. Yeah, it's, um, I, I must admit, I'm, I'm, I'm singularly unimpressed with it all. But I have to say, once I'm there and I'm, I'm in, in my seat, having had a couple of beers, not Budweiser, we would hasten to add, um, all will be right with the world. And um, frankly, let's just hope we send the Scousers back to Liverpool with their tails between their legs and, um, and collect another FA Cup. Um, does anyone have anything to add? I hope it doesn't go to penalties. <laughs> yes, I, I detest them anyway. I've always I would agree with that. I've always maintained that in games like this, you should have the penalty shootout before the game, so that it's done and dusted, and then whoever's lost it knows they can't afford to take it to a draw. The fans, <laughs> fans like me, no longer have to worry about you know um, you know whether or not our blood pressure machines have got enough of a rating on them to take in what we're about to put them mm-hmm. through. Um, uh, I just hope the that, atmosphere isn't too poisonous. No, I, I don't think it will be. I, th- I, I think. No, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm, I uh, must admit, I there's that element of it. I'm not particularly looking forward to because I think there's 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 needle there now. Which, but, I, but it's only from it's it's from them, isn't it? It's because of their continuing. Yeah, but I think there's there's a certain amount going back the other way now as yeah. well. And well, I, if, the, if you know the Liverpool, I don't fans, know. I, 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 I would have preferred. Yeah, if any Liverpool, I mean, I, I've got uh, my my boss's boss, uh, boss's boss's boss is a, a a scouser, but he's an Everton fan, and he's adamant that we must not fail in putting <laughs> Liverpool back in their place. And, and you know, when you look at the league, you look at the points difference. You look at their they 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 had a dismal performance the other night with one eye on the cup. I, I've no doubt, uh, and we have. And I think you know, so if Chelsea go in there with the same attitude as they did against Tottenham, Liverpool won't get near us. They are not as good as Tottenham. Um, we've got a shocking record in recent years against Liverpool, um, and it's time to put that to bed. And, you know, if any team has had a a, a, a way of putting various things to bed this year, you know, it's us this year, Barcelona, um, and, and those sort of things. I just think... That for once, and I'm, a, you know, I'm, I'm always a bag of nerves. I'm, I'm one of these people that I think um, Blue Mikel or Michael or whatever, where his hand is on the blog, you know, um, someone's got the official Chelsea FC have decided to put it through bloody FIFA 12 or whatever it is, and you know, <laughs> to, to tell, you know, who seriously that doesn't mean a jot, you know, this is 50-50, but I, I kind of think last night I'm, a, I'm not. A, I'm a great believer in, you know, the longer a, a kind of unbeaten run goes on, yeah, the more likely. Yeah, mathematically, of course, it, it doesn't mean that it, the more likely it is to end, but something tells you it cannot go on forever. So with every increasing game where you don't lose, you must stand a greater chance in the next one at some point. I, I fear you, you have wandered into the realms of probability and statistics and I've, had, I've, I've had two points and I, I, yeah. I'm struggling to comprehend it now my, 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 my whole point is is that better we get rid of that unbeaten run and that good run last night get it out of the way and start again what worries me about this point though Tony really is that your boss's boss's boss and I thought Vodahan, Vodafone had a slightly flatter management structure. <laughs> Do you know what? They go on about spans and layers and then you go, hold on a minute. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's something written down. You shall have no more than this many spans and layers and, uh, and then everybody just ignores it. We're like the French. We make these rules and then we just basically just ignore them. You know, so, uh, but I, I'm, I'm reasonably confident. I think if we turn in a display like we did against Spurs, we will steamroll them. And I think Torres will be desperate to just show that, you know, he was right and they were wrong. Very, if very right. wrong. Well, I, I think Drogba will start. I, I was going to say, I think Drogba Because, I mean, he always scores at Wembley. So yeah. I, I, I can't see him not starting. No, but yeah. I think um, I think Torres will get a, he'll get a run out at, at the very least. You know. Indeed. Yeah. On that note, um, 
I think we should we shall simply say good luck to the Chels and um, everyone actually going to the final wherever you're watching it um, wherever in the world you happen to be enjoy the game and um, let's hope that this time next week we are um, celebrating the Podding Shed's first ever coverage of a trophy win yes. indeed that would be nice um, gents on that note I would say thank you do you wish me to ascend to the organ loft one more time I, I, I believe I believe that would be appropriate at this moment okay. in time I shall make my way up there okay so I'll take the chance to say good night from Grocer Jack, and good night from Mark, and good night from me, Dare Kaiser or Johnny, as I am otherwise known. Um, as Doctor Blue Bayou ascends to his um, perch, we're just killing a bit of time here, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and now on Radio Four, we cross to the Church of Blessed Podding Saint and Martyr, where the Reverend Blue Bayou. Will conduct even song, and uh, if you would like to go to, <coughs> we will start with hymn number fifteen on your daily express hymn sheets. Abide with me. Excellent. Thank you, and good night. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, there is a a pair of trousers in the house. Jess Uh, Yates is alive and well. (laughs) (laughs) From Donal and his mighty Wurlitzer, we wish you all a very good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.